You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page, or on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Hey everyone, this is David Gillespie again with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I am joined by the exuberant Rich Wisniewski. Hi-ho, Johnny! <laughs> we my... went to pirate real quick. <laughs> no, that's my, that's my, remember Johnny Carson? He had oh, Ed McMahon, yeah. he'd go, hi-ho, Johnny! That I... predates me just so by here. So when you were um, exuberant, it just immediately made me think of Ed McMahon, because I'm your Ed. You know, you're oh. you're kind of, or maybe I'm your Grimaro. Or maybe, or maybe you're Johnny Carson, because yeah. you are pretty funny. No, well, no, I'm the Ed McMahon. <laughs> I sit over here and make jokes on the side, while you actually entertain and ask people questions. So, oh, and there's another guy right now that's out, and he has Grimaro. Who's the guy that has late night, and he has Grimaro, and it's it's a guy who was on G4. Dude, I don't have TV. Nowadays would be in the Wii movement. You don't? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. Man, I don't have any TV. I have Netflix. I have Hulu. If they're not on those services, like, man. It must. Well, he's on YouTube a lot too. So oh, okay. that's one of those things. But anyways, yeah. that's neither here nor there, except for when I say me too. It's actually me three. There's three that's of right. us here today. That's right. Yeah, today a returning guest, Rob. Dude, welcome back to the show, man. Hello. Thank you for having me. This has. Yeah. This has developed into a strange realm of esoteria. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Oh, no! as, as is our way. Um, uh, so, uh, folks, just to remind you, Rob comes to us from the Table is Yours podcast. Which, Love him. Which has been an awesome friend of our show, and uh, we've had him on a couple of times now for various things. And, uh, Rob, uh, why don't you real quick kind of introduce what we're talking about today? Yeah. Uh, normally when I'm on, we're here to talk about um, samurai drama or some form of samurai thing. And today yes. we should talk about something totally separate from that. Yeah, and, we're and now talk for about... something completely different. Yeah, now for something completely different. How about some like new age Western fantasy? Yes. Uh, in, yes. <laughs> in Gloomhaven. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so today we're talking about Gloomhaven, the board game, which is already starting to get some spinoffs into other types of properties. You introduced us to Gloomhaven, and we've been playing it, we played it like three times or four times on I, Sundays. Yeah, I think we played it three times because we got through the first boss. That's right, that's right, yeah. So we've played. we've been playing it on Sunday afternoons, kind of trialing doing our twitch streams on sundays and i'm kind of preferring it over my friday night twitch stream so oh cool that yeah so i, I, I might hang out with you more than in general yeah exactly and i might um you know be less dog tired from a long day of, of work so <laughs> uh so yeah we might start doing uh streaming on sundays and or saturdays so we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes um but i really sure. enjoyed that format excellent yeah, so you introduced us to Gloomhaven. Now you're mm -hmm. in Hawaii, and Rich is in Texas, and I'm in Kansas. So we didn't have. So we a... played by post, right? Yeah. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of stamps. <laughs> 
you uh, you took a picture, you printed it off at Target or wherever CVS, and then and then said, "Here's the current board state." And then I wrote my notes on the back, and Rich wrote his notes on the back, and you said, "All right, David, your initiative is 14. What do you do?" <laughs> It only took like three months to get through that first room. I, that's why we're so late to talking about this I game. Know, it's, been so, it's been out for so long. But hey, we have friends. We have friends of the show that are employees of USPS, and they did a fantastic job delivering all of our mail. So guys, you know, hats off to the you United States really Postal smart, Service. What's it, up, would, it would have been really smart if we had played this in tabletop simulator. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually what we did. Um, <laughs> And let me tell you, do not flip the table on this one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so Tabletop Simulator, folks, if you haven't picked up this uh, game on Steam before, it is basically what it sounds like. It's a tabletop. And a bunch of people have written workshop objects for various board games. We do it every Friday night. And Gloomhaven is in there. And Gloomhaven has like a billion pieces. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So when you flip the table on this, it's like a galaxy of crap goes everywhere i was playing this game a lot with my own play group so i've been loading the the mod in and out um so i don't know if this number is right but i definitely want to say like 512 is the base <sighs> number of just Ooh. objects that needs to be loaded that's a lot of objects for when a... i flipped the table everybody was really ticked because <laughs> <laughs> it was like i crashed everyone's computers with mostly mostly mad at ourselves for forgetting to leave that op- option yeah. available <laughs> That's right. It's not my fault. It's your fault. That's right. <laughs> you just click buttons, and it's our fault that the buttons are there. That's right. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So, yeah, there, Gloomhaven, there's a mod for it in Tabletop Simulator. If you don't have it yet, you should have already have had it, so go buy it now. It's usually on sale. Um, yeah. Dude, all I can say is it's one of the best investments I've ever made. Yeah. I mean, it is. I've gotten – I mean, if, if the minutes per – dollar it has to be in cents what about mine is so yeah gloomhaven started off as like a kickstarter i think and they were it was like uh pretty well received i think they wanted 70 grand and they way passed that number and at least back then under the kickstarter you could buy the game for like 60 or 70 bucks but it came with all cardboard chits oh and now when you go to the game store and you buy it it's like Maybe a hundred bucks, maybe a little over a hundred bucks, maybe a little less than a hundred dollars, but you get like minis. Ooh, I'd want the minis, Oprah. Oh, I who don't. wants the cardboard I, I, Me, I do. I don't care. Really? I, oh, yeah, no. I really don't. Because the minis, like, I mean, I they look good. They, uh, okay. <laughs> I want to line them up beside my bed at night so they can watch me as I sleep. <laughs> to watch over you. <laughs> I want to read the brute a bed night story. <laughs> I want all the swag. But you know what? It probably weighs about 30 pounds less with the cardboard chits. <laughs> probably so. It's a heavy box. Like, I, I went to the game store and, and picked it up, and it was like, wow, this thing is um, it's beefy. <laughs> I, uh, there is a review out there somewhere. It's semi-famous, and it says that Gloomhaven weighs enough to make a trebuchet blush. <laughs> <laughs> was it 90 pounds 300 yards or whatever the uh 90 kilo, kilograms it, it is a it is a big box and it's a hefty mm-hmm. one yeah mm-hmm. so we played in tabletop simulator um playing in person is something that i have not done and and i i have friends who have so playing it in person would be an entirely different beast you've never played it in person i have not 
Wow. How do so okay? Because I was going to ask a question. How do people keep track of where they've gone in their side quests if they never if they play in person? A lot of the side quests, if you remember, have a little symbol on the bottom right that says to destroy this card. So they keep track by ripping the card in two and throwing it away. Okay, oh. so let's, wait, let's, take, let's take a step back. <laughs> a lot of board game folks are like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I'm ripping things up. Uh, folks, this is a legacy game. So as you move through the game, you're destroying cards and other aspects that came with the box. Yep, or permanently so- altering them. Correct. Yes. So how about, uh, Rob, why don't you kind of set the stage for like what Gloomhaven is and then we'll get into the mechanics. Yeah. So Gloomhaven is, uh, I would call it like a Western fantasy uh, legacy game. Legacy games are games where as you play them, uh, events that happen inside that game will affect future games. I think one of the first ones was like Risk Legacy (laughs) and the way that we... It was done initially with some other stuff uh, in Gloomhaven. Is you put things like stickers on a board on a board. Mm, you can I destroy. I about Pandemic Legacy. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can uh, you can discard cards in Gloomhaven. You get a, a little sticker sheet to put on your cards, uh, which permanently alter how some of the cards work. And then, <clears throat> in addition to the Legacy game, there's also campaign play where you're playing the scenarios in certain orders based on choices that you've made in previous ones. So certain storyline paths open up. So it's a combination of both campaign storyline and legacy. The game is physically changing. A little choose your own adventure. One of my favorite ways to just hang out by myself. I like a little CYOA book. Yeah, yeah. So this is a lot like um, the campaign play is like a really amped up version of Hero Quest or Doom the board game or any of the other dungeon crawls that we've mm-hmm. done. Because there's this dungeon crawl component with like you're in a cl- enclosed space and there's bad guys and you have to tactically defeat them. But then Gloomhaven takes over and it's like, all right, now you have choices to make. Do you spend time looting? Do you spend time uh, fighting the next room? Mm-hmm. You know, Do you heal each other or you know, how do you manage all of your stuff? And at the end of all of that, now you have other decisions that impact your greater story. Yeah, like that they, is unfolding while you play. The story is happening, and you're like, do you do choice A or B, which then unlocks and closes off different storylines. Yeah, and it's really neat to have a board game that has such one so much re- replay built into it by virtue of yeah, your decisions have changed your possible outcomes, and now you're just exploring you know, the, the, the mid tier and high tier ends of this board game is very much like, all right, well, remember a long time ago, we decided to save this person because of that, these five quests opened up for us or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And now we have this cool thing, or we lost a shot at doing this other cool thing you know, there's this big blank space on the board that we can't go to because we shut that gate or whatever. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and, and there's lots of different ways to get additional quests in that game. Uh, some of them are buried into the mechanics that we haven't quite talked about yet, which is even cooler. Because that's something that you guys didn't actually get to. We played two scenarios, so we got through the first boss. Yep. And, you know, this is very much like a, you know, I, I kind of likened it to, Her- to Hero Quest earlier. You pick a hero, right? Mm-hmm. And um, your hero is going to come with specific abilities to that hero, and they're going to be very different than the other heroes that play alongside you. And you have your own little character sheet. And you track, you know, kills, you track experience points, you track all kinds of stuff. And that character sheet improves over time. Yeah. So one of my favorite ways that the game works is 
so there's the campaign play, right? And there's the story component and all of that. There's like decks for various random events and things like that. But put all that aside, just your character, the way your character works is you have two decks, basically. One of them is your attack modifier deck, which is, uh, if you play D&D, it'd be similar to like rolling a D20, except it's in card form. And you can modify that deck so you get extra abilities on your attacks and stuff like that. Right, yeah. So like a card would say you attack at this strength. And as long as that strength beats their defense, you're going to do damage. Uh, Stuff along those lines. So it's not like, it's not quite so random you kind of know, all right, this is a really strong attack I'm likely to hit, or this is a very weak attack, but maybe it hits lots of enemies. So you've got some, you've got some ideas there about how strong or, or uh, piercing your, your hero is. But something that uh, you guys didn't quite get to is that in addition to that, as you level up your character, some of the cards that you draw in your attack modifiers can gain things like push the opponent, um, create different elements, uh, they actually interact with other mechanics. It's not just a flat number. Now that's oh the yeah, te- totally. I did that. I did that. I had the hook and I pulled a guy. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and we were messing with elements a lot with your character. Like I would make an element, and your character could use that element. Um, right. No, no. Okay. Good. Good. So that that's almost what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Because that's the uh, what you guys were doing is the second deck, which I'm going to talk about now, which is the cards that you choose to go into the game with. And those are the cards that are going to have the attacks and the movement options and your special abilities. That's a separate deck. And you actually just keep that whole deck in your hand. It's, it's your hand that you choose from. Mm-hmm. And you're going to use those for your options. What I meant is the attack deck. So when you say, I'm going to attack, and we randomly flip up a card, those cards will Ooh. gain the extra symbols to do like even Ooh, more things. Neat. neat. Yeah, okay, so good point, good point. So, yeah, whenever you flip up one of those cards... Um, I, I mentioned, I was wrong earlier in saying that there wasn't as much randomness because there is a bit of randomness. Like sometimes your attack is twice as effective or, Mm -hmm. or, or less effective because of whatever's on the card or like a straight miss. You can flip up a card. That's a straight miss. And as you level up, you can modify the attack deck to, uh, to better suit how you want to play that character. Yeah. And, uh, Gloomhaven so deck building component here. <laughs> yeah, a little folks. bit. <laughs> you know, when when you look at the tags for this game, pretty much all of the tags I can think of are in there. Like, there's, really a, there, there's kind of a worker placement component. There's kind. There's definitely a deck building component. There's a leveling component. You know, there's dungeon crawl. There's uh, you know, and 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 the thing that I want to stress about Gloomhaven as we talk about everything else about this game. The reason why I love this game so much is because, as I said, campaign, legacy, random events, all these cool extra things, the uh, permanence of decisions, set all that aside. The game is actually really easy to play because every turn, all you do is select two cards, and each card, every card that you have, has two abilities on it. It's on the top and the bottom of the card, Um, so it's split in half. And on your turn, all you do is you select two cards, and you must do the top of one card, and you must do the bottom of a different card. You cannot use the same card for both options. And in general, the top card is your attacks, the top portion of the card is your attacks, and the bottom portion of the card is your movement. And that's it. And then you just do what the card says. It's so simple because it, it looks huge and daunting and there's so much going on. And it can, but ultimately it all just comes back down to choose two cards, do yeah. one half of one and the other half of the other. 
Right. And you can make that decision. Like you can pick the two cards with the idea that you're going to do, you know, the top of card A and the bottom of card B. Right. And then by the time it gets to your turn, you're like, oh God, no, I need to, sw- I need to reverse this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so totally fine. Sometimes making flexible plays is better than a hyper-specific strong one. Yeah, yeah. And I I do like that about the game, that your turn decisions are pretty simple. And there's not, like, a bunch of, like, phase steps that you need to worry about. And uh, you're not doing any interrupts or any of that kind of junk. You're just, all right, these are moves I'm making. And I do them on my turn. And they yeah. do their moves on their turn. Mm-hmm. And the bad oh. guys, the bad guys get a cycle, and they do the same thing. So they're like they flip up a card, and that card says they're going to move and attack, or just attack, or just move, or do some special thing. And so it's really easy to kind of say like the board game is kind of its own DM, you know, like you're yeah. in a fantasy setting and you're doing spells and you know uh, uh, swashbuckling type stuff, and you're doing fighter type stuff and wizard type stuff. But uh, the board game itself is the DM, and you're playing against the board game as a group. Rich, Rich asked uh, a little earlier how – because we played on Tabletop Simulator where the mod kept track of a lot of stuff for us. And he asked, like, how, how are you ever supposed to do this in person? Yeah. Um, and it's hard. I know people who have done it. Uh, the game gives you all the tools you need to be able to keep track of, like, which monsters have what damage and stuff like that on them. But even still, most people prefer to use one of the various apps that are out there that handle the shuffling of the enemy cu- enemy decks and stuff like that. So even if you do play in person, you're probably going to end up using some form of technology to make it a little smoother anyway. Sure. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because like the enemies have their own like attack cards and their own things, and um, I can definitely see as you get later in the game, you start having more and more special little pluses and minuses to your stuff. And the tabletop simulator is really nice because it tracks all that stuff for us. But um, uh, you know, I could see like in the in the physical you know playing of the game is like, all right, here's the the attack modifier rolled or I I, I drew which gives me a plus this. And then on my character sheet, I got another couple of pluses and, Oh, the card I used has another couple of pluses. Let's add all those together. Uh, mm-hmm. Tabletop simulator does that for me. Yep. You know, like that's kind of nice. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's, it's true. So I wanted to ask though, like we can talk more about how it actually works, but I don't think we ever actually said, how did you guys like the game? So I really dug it. I thought that like I chose one character first and that character turned out to be pretty difficult to work with. And I basically ignored your advice of when you said, eh, he's kind of tough. <laughs> right. I was like, eh, screw it. I'm doing it. And uh, he just took too much planning and too many things needed to, go, needed to go right for that character to be successful for me. So when I swapped over to a different character, uh, which was a little bit more roguelike, much simpler and more straightforward and required less. F- um, I didn't have, I didn't need turn one to go super well setting up for turn two i could just be good in turn one and then separately good in turn two so Mm -hmm. so that was really nice so that's one thing i will say is some of the characters are easier to use than others and you kind of have to you kind of have to figure that out you know like uh as you're as you're looking at the characters you're gonna choose from and to be clear you you started with the tinkerer yes uh we played the first scenario with the tinkerer didn't love it so then we freely swapped over to the scoundrel for david yep and that and that worked out really well for me this game has an 8.9 rating on BoardGameGeek.com. It's very highly rated. I am one of the 1.1 that did not rate it. 
<laughs> I did not like it. I got done. I, I gave it a shot a couple times. And, and as we talk about how the how tabletop even automated stuff for us, I think in real life, I would not like it even more. Mm. Um, I think the automation made it to where I didn't even get to see all the pieces. Now, I am in a minority. And in my show prep for this event, as I was doing my research, <sighs> gathering paperwork, I am in a minority. And I'm in a very little group of people <laughs> that do not like Gloomhaven. There is definitely, and we almost are like a core group that just walk around going, I hate Gloomhaven. Right, um, but but right, hate's a really a strong word. Hate's a really strong word, by the way. You're like, you're like, a, you're like the, the edgy kids in high school. Yeah, yeah, hate's a really strong word because I didn't hate the game. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, when I got done, I'd rather play D&D board game. But I find that as I then um, went through some of my observations with my gaming group friends, one thing I got as an observation is the D&D board game's lightweight. It's lighter than this. It doesn't have right. as much. It's very lightweight. And then to play role-playing can get heavier than this. It can oh, yeah. have a lot of tracking and a lot of other things. This lives in a beautiful place between. And I was working with a bunch of young people this past year, and one of them found Gloomhaven. And during the course of months, they played all the way through. And they loved it. it. And it was a great introduction. Not only were they, they were gamers. They had pandemic, you know, I'm not going to work with kids that don't like games. Um, <laughs> somehow there's going to be somehow. This is your robot group. This is yeah, your robot. This is the, this is the yeah. robot kids. Yeah. Of course they like board games. Yeah. Um, and so one of them had gotten Gloomhaven and it just, this little group went through it over the course of like two months, I think. And they loved it. They, and, and you know what? It, it has a place. I just didn't walk away from this. It's just very weird. I am normally so all in on stuff that for me to be like, mm, eh, that's kind of weird. That I, I'm I like, think, eh. I kind of get the sense that like for you, Rich, it sits in this like awkward middle space where it's like, well, for more, I'd rather be role playing. For less, I'd rather be on a simpler board game. And there's no, you don't have a need for something in this middle space for you. That's what friends have pointed out to me. Gotcha, and you may gotcha. have been one of those too, but also Ryan, um, oh, yeah. I was doing that. And then up at uh, PA, when I was at CostCon um, convention, I was unpacking my thoughts with some of the other gamers that I know there and some other people. Um, have you played Gloomhaven? What are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I really everyone like, liked it. I was I, literally I like the one person who didn't <laughs> like it. So, so, so you're wrong. <laughs> well, I know. he started by saying, "But he's in a minority, and by yeah. virtue of that, we can ignore him." But I want to—I want to—I want to ask a question anyway, which is, um, "Welcome to America." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, I understand that point. Um, preferences are a weird thing, and that I can't really tell you you're wrong. That's that's cool. Um, I just have a question though, because uh, the way most people dislike Gloomhaven is they say this: they say that it's normally it feels too much like a puzzle game where every turn is a puzzle and they don't want to play a puzzle game. They want to play uh, dungeon diving or dungeon crawling or role play. And I can understand what they mean because you have every turn you have your hand of cards right. and then you're trying to fix the puzzle the best that you can with the options that you have available to you. Huh. Agreed. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Huh. I don't know if I could have iterated it so well as a puzzle. I really like that analogy that you gave. You know, the, the cards, the picking of turns, the, um, you know, even it just there were some things that just didn't. Yeah, I was like, Bleh. 
You know, um, I, I really, I really kind of got a sense that like having the board game be the DM, because like I love Doom the board game, because right. I'm the DM in the Doom the board game. You know, like I like okay. games with a DM. I like games with a with a human in control. But this one is so is complicated enough that I don't feel like as a player I'm just running over the quote unquote AI of the board game. Like, right? It was D&D, hard. Yeah, yeah. D and D board game. It was game, not easy. It's AI. It's crazy easy. Like it's like a little rule set for AI and in in D and D the board game. Eh, that's pretty straightforward. But in Gloomhaven the board game, I was like, oh wow, this there's some real intricacy here between what these bad guys are doing versus what I'm doing versus how the room is laid out. Like, yeah, you know, yep. this is not this is not something that I'm just gonna like walk over the dumbness of the board game. Like it's a smart board game it was when hard. it comes to when it so comes I to may that. I may have done that uh, poorly for you, Rich, because uh, some people recommend that you start at level zero, which is like an easy mode when you're, when you're first starting out. And I started this on standard Mm. uh, because the game it's weird because, and this again can go back into how it's like a puzzle. I, I would not really say that the game is difficult. I would say that it's difficult to understand how to play the game. If that is a meaningful distinction to you, because Gloomhaven really wants you to act a certain way with the way that you play your cards and until you learn the way to kind of jive with the game, you will die and get hit very easily, which is kind of what happened to you in the first scenario. You know, and I and I think that. Oh, and I add... don't mind dying because, by God, my D and D board games almost all end in twenty minutes, or not most, <laughs> many of them end in twenty minutes. My pandemic games end in twenty minutes. You know, I'm used to unfortunately losing. I had a turn two kill in pandemic once. That wasn't fun. Wow! Wow! <laughs> First card, epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, second card, epidemic. Um, <laughs> the, um, so, yeah, I think that there's something in there about, you know, when you're playing Gloomhaven, if you are a player that likes to have a lot of agency, like when you play Pandemic and even D&D board game, like, yeah, you can kind of do a lot of different stuff and probably still eke out a win. Whereas I think your point there about Gloomhaven really has some specific ideas of how you're going to play a certain character. That's legit. Like when I moved over to the scoundrel, I was like, oh, okay, I'm slotting into the way this character works a lot better than Mm -hmm. the tinkerer. Just with the way my brain works and how I approach problems. Right. Um, It's like, oh, I got this kid. Yeah, let's do this. And so I I, I think that when you're doing character select, it's really important to figure out which character feels like the kind of character or play style you are into. Mm-hmm. If you like a lot of planning and fiddliness, the Tinkerer is going to be great. If you like uh, being more adaptive, then one of the other characters is probably where you want to go. What, what are the, all the characters? Uh, so I'm not going to say because a big thing oh. in the Gloomhaven thing is spoilers. <gasps> yeah, there's uh, so many really? characters later on. Like we were with the starter characters right. and there yeah. are more you can get later. Like that's another cool thing I like there about are... this is that like as you're playing this – you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I want to park this character, or maybe this character died, or something like that, or something along those lines. But there's new characters that have become available, and they have new powers. Oh, um, and they're they're all the ones that I've played. I've not played with all of them, but all the ones that I have played and seen are incredibly different from each other. Mm. And one of the things that I really like is that it felt like it felt like they did not make six starter classes and then made the rest of the characters. It felt like he made the characters and then chose like five of the easy ones and then the mind thief and then put them together as like the start, <laughs> the starting characters. Um, and the reason why I think that's important is because 
as I said, the game is is oh god, people, I'm not gonna do it. I was gonna do the Dark Souls thing. It's like it wants you to play a certain way, right? And one thing that I like about it is once you learn how you're supposed to play, when you eventually get a new character, you kind of have those preconceptions on the flow of the game. So it's easier to play with these new characters that do even stranger things. Yes, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Because even looking at the Mind Thief and the Tinkerer, I was like, man, these are kind of strange characters. So it makes sense that it would branch out even further into oddball yeah. approaches to uh, it, to the room. So one of the first character that I played that was an unlocked character was Triangles. So the way the way the Gloomhaven community talks about characters is they refer to them by their symbol, uh, okay. not their name. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so the tri- triangles is really cool because it was a lot of what I was already doing with the Spellweaver, I think it's called. Um, the purple one that does some elemental stuff. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, because I, I started with that with these guys because that's one of the ones I like. It's fragile and it does some cool stuff with uh, lost cards. And then triangles doesn't do as much with lost cards, just does way more with uh, doing some elemental stuff. And that was interesting because I had already played a character, right, that had done some of that. So then this new character just kind of leans into a version of that more. Right. And every other right. character is kind of like that. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I will say that um, the you mentioned uh, card card manipulation, that kind of thing, or, or card recovery. Uh, folks, this game does come with a clock. So, like, as you're going through the adventure on the grid map and you're playing – or the, the hex map and you're playing through that, there is this th- situation where you eventually run out of cards and then your character has become exhausted. So you need to complete the dungeon – before you run out of cards. <laughs> yeah. And as and one of my one of my downfalls was is taking hits. You can burn cards to get out of trouble. Was that right? Was I right. doing that properly? I burnt cards to get out of trouble, which yeah. then lowered my card pool. Right. To where yes. I found myself exhausted before anyone else in the group, which really goes along with my playing style. Right. <laughs> uh well the character Rich was playing the brute, which is kind of what he wants to do anyway, because yeah. he has a fair amount of health. He also has some abilities to make shields, um, which you were doing to some extent. Um, uh, I think I think your biggest problem was positioning, because yeah, you want to tank, but you want to tank like one or two people at a time. <laughs> I was tanking, oh, we, baby. We we were encouraging you to tank rooms instead of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey man, if they're all on him, my AOE is better. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, someone it, it, has to take one for the team, and right. I did. We still finished the scenario. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just, and that's, someone that's had to actually, go down. That's an important thing is that we win and lose together. So right. uh, when Rich was exhausted and we still managed to complete the scenario, Rich also wins. Yay! Just because one of you goes down, that doesn't mean the end of the fun. Like we could, And I do like Maybe that. still eke it out. Yeah. yeah it lets sure. me go down heroically. Yes, yeah, and, and, and that's one of the things is, like, managing when you go down to put your team in the best advantage. Oh, I mean, wow. That's, we that's talked about important. that for, like, five, ten minutes. Oh, yeah. We were yeah, like, cause... okay, dude, you're, you're pretty much going to be done in a turn or two. Right. And we then were like, okay, if you go here and you go there, we were working the puzzle. Oh, yeah. Well, and it was like, uh, I remember one point, I think when Rob and I were playing, I was low on cards. I was like, all right, well, my character's going to get exhausted next turn, no matter what. So let's figure out where he can be to be the most beneficial to the for us to win. And yeah, the kind of figuring out your 
how to lose the best yeah. is, is important in this game. And that's the fun. I, I like that discussion. So David talks about how there is a clock in this game. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that because I love the way that the cards are used in this game. I adore it and think it is so elegant. So um, every character has a, uh, a number on the top right of their player board that tells them how many cards go into their hand for that scenario. The lowest one that I've seen personally is seven, and that starts with the Spellweaver. Mm. But that's because the Spellweaver does some really weird things. So I want you to consider that you basically have two discard piles, right? You have one, which is your actual discard pile. You play two cards, you use them, they're discarded, you're, they're done, that's cool. And then you have what's called your lost pile. These are cards that will never come back to you. They are lost. Yeah, you'll get them. There. You'll get yeah. You'll get there in the next scenario. But for this right. one, they're gone. Right. On your turn, you must play two cards. If you can't, <laughs> right? Exactly. If you can't, then you need to rest. Yeah. When when you rest, uh, and there's different ways to rest, but the short the the short idea is you're going to take a card from your discard pile. And depending on how you rest, it's either random or you get to choose. It doesn't matter. You take one card from your discard pile and you put it into your lost pile and then you get all the other cards back into your hand. This mm -hmm. means that you're going to start with 12 cards. Okay, you can play six turns of two cards each. Good, now you lose one card and now you pick up a hand of 11 cards. Now you have five turns. And then at the end of that, you have one card left over. You put one in the lost pile. You pick up your cards. Now you have 10 cards. So you're slowly losing cards and as you get down into, like, the last, like, four or five, sometimes even six, depending on the character, that's when the things start to really hurt because that's when you start to find out that your options are limited because the cards that you need are in the lost pile and you're going to exhaust soon because you're taking your, – your hand is emptying faster by virtue of just having fewer cards in it. Yep, it's a neat way of handling, like D&D &D does it, you know, a number of spell slots and how much hit points you have and that kind of thing. This, is, I think, is a neater way of doing it. So it's like, well, you're you're only going to have so many a actions before your character is just kind of spent for the day. And uh, it's not it's not like they run out of hit points and they die. It's just, you know, they, you know, they got, they, they got gassed. They got tired, man. Yeah. They're tired. Yeah, adventuring is tough. Tough work here in Gloomhaven. Adventuring sucks. They don't call it Happy Haven. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> they called it Happy Haven. It may be a little different, but no, it's gloom, sad, dead rich haven. Yeah. <laughs> we never. We never. We, did, we never Roth, did Patrick Roethlisberger <laughs> work on this? <laughs> There's gonna be a guy named Rich that's gonna play this. Let's let's jack with him yeah. first. <laughs> so I I don't know if you guys have looked this up, but just out of curiosity, so this the the game I've usually seen it between 140 120. It's now down to less than 100. How oh my many, god! A game many, we're reviewing at a hundred dollars? That's amazing. Yeah, we, we're normally going for games that are like four hundred yeah, bucks now. Okay. Oh Jesus! Because yeah. we we uh, like we like old games that you can't buy. They're out of print. <laughs> Oh, I have a question about that, then. That's for a future episode. Yeah. Uh, so then, um, how many scenarios do you think is in a typical campaign? And by campaign, I want to make it clear that I'm talking about like the, the, the story aspect of it, not just how many are in the box that you can Let's play. Let's say five per campaign. Just make five. it up a number. Yeah, five. I'm, I'm going to say like... No, it's one campaign. It's one campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say 15 in a campaign. Oh, so you think we can? Okay, so you, so you're saying that we can start from beginning to end in five or fifteen? 
Oh, from beginning to end to, you know, like legacy. Let's compare it to pandemic legacy, right? Yeah. No, I'm going to say that I kind of like David's number better. Um, uh, Chuck, I'm going to go 16. 16? All right. (laughs) The price is right Uh, rules here. You got it, baby. I'm going Uh, one above you in case it's 17. So Rich is the closest without going over. A typical campaign is about 70 games. Holy smokes. That's 70 with a 7-0. Wow. That's typical. All right. Now, the, the actual campaign, like the actual legitimate story, isn't that long. That's with um, a, an average number of side missions and stuff that you can oh, get. Oh, okay, okay. See, I was kind of in my head, like, discounting side missions. Because, dude, yes. oh, okay. when, I, when, so, I, like, when, I, when I play Fall... Okay, whoa. Because <laughs> when I play Fallout 4 or any, any like, RPG game, dude, I get sucked into the side quests, and I just never complete the main quest because I'm always on the side quest. So I, I kind of envision Gloomhaven the same way as, like, I don't know, kids, we go after the main quest, but, hey, we have three side quests we haven't touched yet. Let's do those. Oh, more side quests. Awesome. Let's go after those two. Okay, so based on your choices, you're going to uh, – you're going to, based on your choices and the randomness of stuff that's going to happen to you, yeah. you are going to lose access – between five and 15 scenarios, mm. which means that your game, uh, including the other side quests that are still available to you, is going to be usually between like 50 to 70. Got it. Got it. Neat. It's a, it's a truly huge game. Yeah. No, it looks huge. It looks huge. Like when we were going through it, I was like, man, this is, this is definitely like, and actually what kind of threw me was Rich, you said that they completed the game in like, a number of months i was like all right well this can't be that big okay well no it might be that who knows maybe they had started it earlier they sure. brought it up during robotics that they were mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. and then during our robotics time they finished well so and also i heard they're... them talking about it for about two months and oh. they're in high school i was about Come to say on. and they don't have like careers where yeah. <laughs> they, they can just play this game every day if they wanted to and i, I can't do that that's What's... not my life one thing I like about it is once you get proficient at knowing how to play the game, scenarios take between like 30 minutes to an hour. The longest one that ever took me was like an hour and a half, and that was because that scenario was stupid. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So so with te- uh, setup and teardown, I imagine that these high school kids are playing a couple scenarios a night or something. You could totally finish this in like two months. The, you know our robotics was going to be in the year. I bet you it was a Christmas gift. I bet oh, you any money yeah, because this sounds oh, like yeah. they got yeah. it around December. Yep. Then they're playing yep. in January, February, somewhere in that time frame. Everything came together. But yes, another. But yes, introducing young people to great gaming. I want to say that Gloomhaven is phenomenal at introducing people to like D and D style games, because like at the end of this, it's like, well, I've already played through characters. I understand that this concept, and all we need now is one person to be the DM. And basically take over the role of the Gloomhaven game. And now we're playing Dungeons and Dragons or any other fantasy role playing game. Like I it's I really feel like this is this is a this is a good game oh, for folks on. that where are you going there, Rob? Well, I mean like No, no, I hear the consternation, but uh, it's like put your, hand up. Put your it's, hand up, Rob. Okay, it's, hold on, hold on. Oh you hey. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> I've raised, raised my hand. Yeah, in our little in our little uh, program for recording, there's a ways to raise your hand. So, but it's like I guess to me, it's it feels like someone who has never role played before, but they get Gloomhaven, dude. By the end of Gloomhaven, they are ready to be playing role playing games. I 
disagree. Really? I could tell yeah, he was going I, I somewhere on that. I wow. do, I do. Because, okay, so another game that I want to teach you and play with you and have another episode about, by the mm-hmm. way, we're now up to two more episodes with me mm-hmm. in the future if I have my way, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I want to play Arkham the Ar- Arkham Horror the Card Game with you. Yep. Beca- Ooh, because that would be fun. That, that's a game where it's like Gloomhaven where there is a pre-established story and selective... Uh, reduced choices that you're allowed to make based on how things are happening. So my girlfriend, Cassie, she um, she really likes playing role-playing games, but in a one-shot type area. Mm. She, she has a hard time committing to campaigns because of career and time, mm-hmm. but she really likes role-playing games because of the freedom of ability to actually make choices. Whereas in this game, the choices are already laid out for you. So I can see why you'd say, like, yeah, you could know how to start doing role-playing. Like, I, yeah, in the sense that, like, you can start to understand how people might act in a story, but you don't actually have freedom of legitimate choice as you more typically would in a role-playing mm, you game. You haven't played my D&D games I was about either, to say, yeah, no. There's no <laughs> like, freedom of choice. Like, I like, will kill your character if you get too uh, free. I, I completely agree that Gloomhaven is not an open-world game, like many of the role-playing games that that a lot of people run these days but like a module based role playing game campaign crew for dude, sure yeah yeah absolutely this is straight up i mean i was kind of looking at gloomhaven going man this thing has like a bunch of modules i could just rip off like, oh, oh my god awesome. i'm so i'm so sad that you guys like it's one frustrating thing I have about Gloomhaven is that the first two scenarios are basically the tutorial because right. they teach you how to play the game right. and then this is a boss. How do you deal with it? And the right. answer is you lose. Now <laughs> and then you try again and then you win and then you, and then you try again and then you one shot them because the the scoundrel <laughs> is generously balanced. Uh, <laughs> so the thing that's frustrating with Gloomhaven is that like you need to learn how to play the game like you need to learn how to do the dungeon dive how to play your cards how these things interact with each other which isn't hard right it's just it's a new game right and you you got to get through that shit before you can even get to oh my god you guys have not dealt with the story and the story is so good no, <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly like to me to me it was like when we were going through it, and you could already see some of the broader story seeping mm-hmm. in, this feels like I'm in a role playing game. It there's, really does. And, and and I just I just think that like man, at the end of that, if somebody's not saying ah, let's check out D and D, like they're not paying attention. Like <laughs> that, that's fair. I can agree to that point. There's an NPC in that game who just like no spoilers. Um, this NPC just like exists between realities and like moves you to different planes of existence at a whim. What? And, sh- and and this this NPC just like messes with your character's sense of time, and she looks down on you mm. as like a meat creature. <laughs> but you really need to work with this person for mm-hmm. certain for certain things. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a requirement in the story. Mm-hmm. So my friend Ben and I, who's been in previous episodes, we're playing, and we're like, okay, we can either go to this terrible forest full of like giant spiders to go try to find this ancient artifact that might not even be there or we can go talk to that person <laughs> nah I'm, I'm done over there we're oh going to the God. forest <laughs> see that sounds so much like an NPC in, a, in somebody's game like, like the kind of omniscient and they're really annoying about it like <laughs> We were just like, we were unwilling to go, because the last session was dealing with that person. We were like, not right now. I can't handle it. (laughs) We need something else. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, there's just something about it that felt so, I don't know. Like, I, I get it that it is not a role-playing game, but god damn. It has role-play elements. Going through it, like, I, I, I kid you not, folks, like, I would happily have that scenario book and just rip the rip it to shreds and move big chunks of that into a game. Dude, yeah, there's definitely role-play elements because I was uh, with Ben in our campaign. We started out as Scoundrel and – or not Scoundrel um, – Spellweaver and Mind Thief, which in the setting of this game, Gloomhaven, it's they're they're both not well loved races. Mm-hmm. They're pretty preju- uh, people are pretty prejudiced against them. So Ben and I are getting our random city event cards, and we're like, "Yeah, we're gonna be good and help the townsfolk." But the way they work is that you make your choice, and then you flip it over, and if you have that class, mm. uh, which is denoted by the symbology like triangles, then you get an event. And what would happen is even though we're trying to do good things, we actually couldn't do them because people wouldn't let us be good. <laughs> it was it was really fun to metagame, understand, like look at uh, from the outside, look in and see the development of us not be trusted to such an extent. Where it's like, no, we're trying to be good people. Three mm-hmm. games later, we're trying to be good people. Two games later, <laughs> fine. We'll if you want us everyone. to be evil, we will be evil. <laughs> If you're gonna be puni- if you're gonna punish me for doing evil, I might as well have done the evil. Everyone dies. exactly. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was very frustrating. <laughs> so yeah, if you um, if you don't play Gloomhaven the way it wants you to play it, it's gonna be frustrating. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah, Gloomhaven, <laughs> Gloomhaven wants to be played a certain way, and the way that it wants to be played is fun. If you didn't have fun, it's your fault, yeah. Rich. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rough. Savage. Um, <laughs> and FYI, yeah. no die roll. Yeah. It was it was your card on your attack. You know how Rob had kind of gone over the top and the bottom of the cards, and you pick which one helps you move, and you pick which one helps you fight. Whereas, you know, playing some other games, I will just pick on D&D board game. You want to fight someone, you play your card sometimes for your, you know, advanced attack, but you're still rolling a die. And you still have this randomness that can just totally... And this is why D&D board game will get you sometimes. You just roll in twos and fours and you can't hit anybody. Whereas in this game, you plan it out well and you have the right attacks. You're, you're knowing, you know what you're going to be getting into. You know whether that person's going to live. You know whether they're going to make it through the round. You're able to really put your hands around it, which is nice. Yeah, it's neat. I, I, really, I really dig that part. The things that you do between scenarios is really important to prep you for the next scenario, like the mm-hmm. shopping that you do. Do you give money to the temple and all that kind of stuff? All that stuff matters between scenarios. So like we talked a lot about the scenario play, but all the stuff that goes on between scenarios is super yeah. important, not only for the broader story of the game, which is really cool, but also just to prep you for the next scenario and make sure that you're going to be in a good position exactly. when you jump in. The uh, the thing that appeals to me about Gloomhaven that I did not get in Kingdom Death Monster is, uh, one, it's a good game, uh, but two, is that <laughs> in, in Kingdom Death Monster, like, there's a big town building aspect to it, which some people, like, just love, and I don't like that portion. Gloomhaven doesn't have a lot of town building, but that does not mean that the inter- scenario times are not important like it's still really important in between scenarios but it's not like as much of a focus as like a town building game yeah i don't think we even got anywhere close to that in the playing that we did yeah this sounds like a good game that it's kind of like a new tv series right you can't you can't watch young sheldon on one episode and be like oh i love it 
you got to watch three or four, yeah. and then you can make your full decision. You got to get into this game. You got to commit to pushing through some of the uh, scenarios, and then all of a sudden you're in the story and you start seeing the beauty. Mm-hmm. It's it's true, and that's one of the kind of crappy parts. I would say that you guys, by playing the first two scenarios, have now completed like the tutorial. Now you can start to play the game, and I would say like the next two after that, depending right. on the choices that you make, are like okay, now it's Gloomhaven. Right, this might right. be a good reprieve for a gaming group that is in between a DM or at the point that everyone just wants to take a break from playing in their fantasy world, and they're able to just sit down and play. And they're able to play for a long time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like they Mm -hmm. can only play it, you know, four times and they're done. They can keep playing it. They have new characters. They can keep growing. Um, And it has a lot more longevity than something like Talisman. Has a lot more complexity than something like the D&D board games. So it has a place. I definitely feel so. Yeah, absolutely. One of the questions I would have for you, Rob, is mid-game, because you've gotten like 20 or so scenarios down. What is the feel of the game in the middle of the scenario versus... So I wouldn't say that I've played any character to any form of endgame on that character, because, right, so there's endgame, which would be like the story, Mm -hmm. and then there's endgame, which would be like that individual character, highly leveled. Yeah. Um, And what's cool about Gloomhaven is that it takes the average level of your party, and we'll adjust the scenario. So, like, a really high-level character can play with a little, with a really low-level character. Good. There'll be some disparity between them, but the scenario will still work. So what I would say is, like, once you start, like, really getting into the stride of, like, playing Gloomhaven... And I want to stop you there real quick. That okay. comment there about low-level characters with high-level characters, that's critical for a lot of gaming groups. Yeah. That say, hey, I have a buddy who's going to be here for, you know, maybe only one night, one board game night. And they're going to pick up a character real quick. And that's okay. Yep. Yep, there's this game supports drop in, drop out fantastically, yeah. and it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that's um, critical for a legacy game because, dude, some of these legacy games, like I don't want to drop in somebody into this game. Like I gotta. Oh my god, I was gonna go buy Betrayal. Uh, no, not Betrayal. It was Legacy Werewolf. Yeah, and that is minimum nine players yes. every game. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. So this game, not oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So if if you're worried about that, like I I I haven't played with a level one with a level 10, but there's actually some, some fail safes in the game that make that so that's not possible, which we didn't get to, but I can talk about in just a minute, which is really cool. Uh, but anyway, so like once you start getting into the, the mid levels of your character, I would say that it's very much like D and D where you know how, when you're playing a low level character, everything you're doing is like 80% of what you want your character to do. Like you, you, you see where it's going to be. You're just not there yet. Yeah. 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 Once you hitting, once you start hitting like between level four and six, is where like when your characters are just like when you get like really iconic, very important cards for your character. Where it's right. like okay, I have now become this class, and I can right. now do all of these things. So then right. the game turns into like the first parts of the game are like okay, how do I even d- do this? Mm-hmm. And then and then it turns into like okay, I know what I'm about. How do I do this best? Right. And that's and that's a really fun development to go through. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I could definitely see the appeal of that for sure. But, oh, so as you do things in Gloomhaven, you make the town better. And Gloomhaven, the town. As you do things, you make the town better. If you're going good path? No, just just at all. (laughs) Oh, just in general. It's always going to do that. Okay, good. Yeah, so the prosperity will always go up. You can now, you can be a dick about it and then everybody (laughs) will hate you. But the prosperity is still going up. But the prosperity is still going up. It's just the the heroes we need, not the ones we deserve. Um, so 
once as the prosperity is going up what the prosperity does is when you make a new character they automatically start at the prosperity level of the town gotcha so that way if we've played a ton of if we've we've played a ton of stuff and i have like a level nine character and joe bob is going to come into town for a night and we were prosperity level three he's not playing a level one character he's playing a level three character now gotcha and that helps keep them from being so far behind that they're not going to have any fun with a rather useless character that's good stuff. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, this is definitely one of those games that I could see a group really marshalling around and having like a handful of core players and then bringing friends in and out yeah. as they like. And that, and I like that about a board game that even though it's legacy, it's still flexible enough to let you have some hop in, hop out and, and, and chase different scenarios. And, you know, you don't have to go after the main plot every time you can go chase some of the side quests and stuff like that. Side quests are hard, man. I'm really excited to hear kind of what they're going to be doing in the future with Gloomhaven. Because I can definitely see that this mechanic set obviously has a lot of legs to it. And yeah. it would not be too tough for them to say, all right, you already own Gloomhaven. Here's Gloomhaven Scenario Pack 2. There is. With a whole bunch of extra stuff. Yeah, there's an expansion out. What is it? Ooh. Circle of Swords or something? Expansion? Gloom? Yeah, something. Cir- Gloomhaven Circle something. Yeah, Circle of Forgotten Circles. Forgotten Circles. Neat. Yes. Okay, well, heck, I'm behind the times on this. 20 new scenarios. It just means that somebody agrees with you already. (laughs) Enough to make the product. That's awesome. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pre-order item release date is 5-28-2019. So there are a boat ton of Gloomhaven people right now waiting Ah. patiently for theirs to show up. Uh, Just to back up, one thing that I think is super awesome is if you want to check this game out, I absolutely play it in Tabletop Simulator because the mod that was made for it is as official as you can get. Because while it was not actually made by Isaac Childress or anyone on his team, Newton. he has given his blessing and all of the assets Ooh. to the people who did do it. So that is cool. That, nice? that is really yeah. cool. Now, Feel no shame for playing this game on Tabletop someone Simulator. Still needs to buy someone one... still needs to give Isaac his money. But yeah, <laughs> play it on Tabletop. <laughs> No, no, there was, we did have one little glitch that one of our cards, it seemed like everybody always oh, had yeah. one card that wouldn't fill in. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. weird. I had, this, weird? I had this weird thing where if I zoomed all the way out, I could see the text on the card, but it was it was too blurry because I was so far away from it. But when I zoomed uh, in to look at the card, it was white. But and we, it seemed like maybe the, maybe, it was just a tabletop, like maybe the the characters were on the wrong side of the texture. Yeah. Or one layer down in the texture or something like that. It seemed it seemed like it was a, just a glitch. And we worked around it very easily. Either yeah. swap out that character with something. We just made a yeah. few little changes and boom, we were fine and off and running. Yeah. 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 I remember that being very strange and that's never happened to me in any of my other playthroughs. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. That's really good. So that it might, it might just be my, my continental United States versus a... <laughs> yeah. Off. When I, when I, when I leave Hawaii, all my pages will be white. <laughs> yes. That's what it must be. Because the localization will change. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> bring your spam with you. Oh, man. I'm going to bring kimchi and musubi. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell, yeah. Oh, man. Well, cool. Do you have any other thoughts around the game that, that we need to make sure we include in the episode? The only other thing, I don't know if this appeals to any to, to either David or Richard, because I've not played in any of their RPGs. Like, I, I can acknowledge 
that the world building in this game is just intense and consistent and wonderful, but it's not a thing that I'm like super drawn to. Mm. So if if you're like, oh my god, I want to experience every new fantastical world, check out Gloomhaven because the character board on the backside of it gives you like your your race's backstory as yeah. well as a little bit about yourself yeah, and your was place neat. in the world. Which if you read carefully, it'll give you some some tips and ideas about how the various decks and citizens are going to interact with you. So that's the only other thing I would mention right now. It's like we're World building is cool. It's fantasy, but not just like rehash Tolkien. Most of the stuff I've, re- I've read about Gloomhaven was people enamored with the world. Yeah. So like, I get it. It's a really intricate space and they've done a good job of having a lot of competing oh, interests and they make sense. They're logical, right? Like, that's always one yeah. thing. It's like, nobody is just evil. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. No, like, one that's of the things neat. I like- that's really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna liken it to like Mad Max Fury Road yeah. or John Wick. Yeah. John Wick. Where like they don't they don't give you expositions. Well, they do eventually, but you have to earn it. But like when you <laughs> when you start the game, they're just like, here you go, and you're like, I'm in a brand new world. How does everything work? And they don't tell you, and they just do things to you. Right. And later on, you figure out based on the results of those actions and those rules? decisions. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you you learn by doing. You learn by doing. <laughs> Which is fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Rob, thanks a ton for coming back on the show. And one, oh, love it. Showing, showing us how to play this game and then doing this episode about, about Gloomhaven. Where can people find you? Yeah, so if you're into nerdy audiobooks about samurai drama, then you should go check out The Table is Yours, which are unofficial readings of the official fiction of yes. Legend of the Five Rings. Yes, and you, don't, you haven't gotten a C&D yet, so you're At, good. Not yet, yeah. not yet. <laughs> They're still coming. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't done a reading on one of their novels yet, but I also haven't not. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, just do a quick uh, Google search for The Table is Yours, Table is Yours, L5R. Um, I think I'm on Pinecast. I actually don't have that handy because I'm lame. We will link it. No, no oh, worries. Perfect. We will link it. I don't know my own credentials. <laughs> just search up that's Table what, is Yours. The Table is Yours. For. Yes, and I will link it in the show notes and you all will follow it. Yes. Uh, it, it's it's good. Uh, leave a like, subscribe. Um, please review. Tell us. Tell us if we're bad. That's especially important. Yeah, you're you are very good about asking for feedback and uh, and listening to that feedback. I see the engagement on the on the Facebook groups for L5R and all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's a really nice exchange you have. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Uh, well, everyone, <laughs> thanks a ton for listening. And as always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crit. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Thank you.